According to the Talmud, Jesus was the product of adultery, the bastard son of Mary and a Roman soldier named Pantera. He spent his early life in Egypt, where he learned black magic, idolatry, and sorcery. Does the Talmud talk about the Jews killing Jesus? Or Vaguely, but Maimonides mm -hmm. believes that the, the Jews killed him, that the Jews executed him because of certain of his doctrines and, and, and so forth. So okay. if, let's say they did. All right, we, maybe he deserved to die. According, mm -hmm. Maybe he was a troublemaker. Let's assume we did. Mm -hmm. So we killed somebody. Welcome to Acts 2 and 42. Welcome back to Acts 2 and 42 podcast. I apologize for our absence last week. And I didn't want it to happen again this week. So you have me right now. And I have a few questions we're going to dive into, a couple of things I'm going to share. But um, <laughs> the reason why it's just me is uh, for, the, for right now, uh, unless one of you brave souls wants to join in, is um, T's working night shift. Uh, Sheree's uh, took the girls to a play. And I almost hit the Reverend Dr. Paul Keynes and um, last minute once again, but I decided not to, because uh, I knew he, he was traveling today. And um, so nonetheless, decided to do this live Q&A. If you guys want to jump on, if you want to join in, if you want to have a conversation, I'd love to do that. I do have two, maybe three questions um, already prompted to dive into, just in case um, no one's really got any questions. So nonetheless, um, yeah, I'm going to share uh, the first question, but if you do want to ask a question, if you're a subscriber, you can actually ask it in the live chat. And um, I think I have it linked in the description. If you want to join the call and actually, you know, ask a question and chat about it uh, live on the Zoom chat, uh, you're more than welcome. The first question I had regarding the uh, Talmud, uh, someone was asking about Judaism and the Talmud. So in order to understand the founding of the modern state of Israel, you have to understand the history of the Jews from AD 70 until that time. And you have to understand that their religion is no longer based on the Bible whatsoever. For example, ever since the temple was destroyed, they don't do any animal sacrifices. As far as the animal sacrifices are concerned, the that's history been of the Jews from AD finished. 70 until that time. What developed and in you Judaism have to understand the system of prayers it sort of became a substitute. Well, I think that was the beginning of modernization. I really believe that. Once that temple was destroyed, Jews did not have a central location. They were dispersed. They literally changed the nature of Judaism. And that portable form of Judaism led a transformation from priestly Judaism to rabbinic Judaism. Judaism stopped being the religion of the Old Testament and began to be the religion of the rabbis and their traditions, or what they call the oral Torah. The Talmud is the holy book of the Jews. It was the oral sayings of the rabbis. It's known as the wisdom of the rabbis. The Talmud is a compilation of all the great discussions that took place from the second century BC mm -hmm. until the fifth century CE. It's a kind of encyclopedia right. of Jewish knowledge. The best way of calling it would be the Jewish Wikipedia of the ages. <laughs> yes, because many people participated in it. Right. It's not written by one person. Several hundred hundreds. scholars. Okay. Hundreds of scholars. Hundreds of authors. 
According to Judaism, the oral law, or what would later be known as the Talmud, was given to the 70 elders that came to the base of Mount Sinai but were not allowed to proceed any further. The Pharisees believed that these 70 elders received a much more extensive and profound revelation than Moses, which was not to be written down. It was only to be passed down orally. And these oral traditions took precedence over the written Torah, or what we know as Genesis through Deuteronomy. Evidence of this is found in the Talmud itself. Ben 21b, my son, be more careful in the observance of the words of the scribes than in the words of the Torah. That's what differentiates the Orthodox from the non-Orthodox. The non-Orthodox sees the Talmud as more man-made. More man-made and developing and so on and so forth. Whereas you believe the Talmud is inspired by God. It's inspired by God, yeah. Everything that has anything to do with scripture is considered the word of God by a large segment of the... Including the Talmud. Yes. He said, you don't believe in the religion of Moses. You have for your religion, he told the Jews, you have for your religion the traditions of the elders. In Mark 7, 7, Jesus said of the Pharisees, How be it in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And the Talmud is the doctrines of men. It's, it's not possible for an ordinary person that's not trained to, to just read the Talmud and understand the oral law. Right. It's very complex. You need a teacher. Has a typical rabbi read it cover to cover? I don't know. It depends what they studied. Have you read it cover to cover? I wouldn't say I read all 36 volumes, oh, but okay. I've read several. Right. You've read a lot of it, obviously. Yes. Sure. But um, I'm sure people that devote their energies to just study mm -hmm. have done that. Sure. The Jews have always known throughout minutes. history that if important. Christians knew what was in the Talmud, it would make Christians very angry. And so the Jews were able to conceal a lot of their most blasphemous statements about the Lord Jesus Christ because people didn't speak Hebrew. Here's what they say about Jesus in the Talmud. There's sections in there about Jesus. In fact, there's an entire book that's been written by the director of Judaic studies in Princeton University, Dr. Schaefer, a Jew. He's written a book, Jesus and the Talmud. So if you want to know what Jesus has to do with the Talmud, get his book, Jesus in the Talmud by Dr. Schaefer. Peter Schaefer is head of the Judaic studies at Princeton University. In his book, Jesus and the Talmud, he documents and analyzes every time Jesus is mentioned in the pages of the Talmud. Keep in mind that the Talmud was written hundreds of years after Christ lived. And so it has references about Jesus in it, and they are hateful, blasphemous references. According to the Talmud, Jesus was the product of adultery, the bastard son of Mary and a Roman soldier named Pantera. He spent his early life in Egypt, where he learned black magic, idolatry, and sorcery. Jesus was born to a whore. Mary was a whore. She had sexual relations with many men. The father was a Roman centurion. The Talmud further blasphemes the Lord Jesus by calling him a fool and comparing him with Old Testament villains, such as Balaam, Ahithophel, Doeg, and Gehazi. Does the Talmud talk about the Jews killing Jesus? Or Vaguely, but Maimonides <clears throat> believes that the, the Jews killed him, that the Jews executed him because of certain of his doctrines and, and, and so forth. Do you believe that the Jews killed Jesus? Um, it's possible the Jews did kill Jesus. Right. The Talmud says they did, but vaguely, <laughs> vaguely.
So okay. let's say they did. All right, we, maybe he deserved to die. According, mm -hmm. Maybe he was a troublemaker. Let's assume we did. Mm -hmm. So we killed somebody. The Talmud actually gloats about Jesus dying young. The passage reads, I hope that last part was selective editing, you know. So we killed somebody. I hope he was. He said something profound next that they edited out. Hast thou heard how old Balaam was? He replied, Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days. It follows that he was 33 or 34 years old. And you say, wait, that passage says Balaam, not Jesus. But look at the footnote at the bottom of the page. Balaam is frequently used in the Talmud as a type of Jesus. Not only that, but in the Jewish Encyclopedia, Volume 2, page 469, under Balaam it says, Balaam given to Jesus in Sanhedrin 106b and Gittin 57a. Peter Schaefer states in his book, Jesus in the Talmud, that there can be no doubt that the narrative of the execution in the Talmud refers to Jesus. In fact, the book states, there is no reason to feel ashamed because we rightfully executed a blasphemer and idolater. Jesus deserved death, and he got what he deserved. Well, I guess my question, uh, first and foremost, um, to anyone watching, is did you know this is what the Jews were taught concerning Jesus? I can't remember the channel, but there's an interesting video where Jews are uh, in, interviewed, asked questions, and are, excuse me, and are asked questions about Christ. And um, man, it's amazing. The, the video was uploaded to this channel, uh, to our channel. Uh, we did not create it, but I did share it, and it's titled Christians Should Not Stand with Israel, because it's a very popular theme to stand with Israel. And I don't mean as far as politically or otherwise, but Christians, I didn't say United States, Christians, the message from Christians from the beginning was to preach repentance, especially to the Jews. Uh, Romans, the 10th chapter, uh, Romans, the 11th chapter, you know, explains the natural branches being the Jews and they were cut off because of unbelief. So anyway, um, and, and look, they're, they're, they're welcomed back in. So the message repent isn't God hates you. The message repent is you're believing and practicing something blasphemous and you have to stop. Um, and how can they, if they're taught from the beginning, you know, arguably lies, you know, concerning the one that they have to believe in, they have to believe in them. Forget Hagee and all these televangelists saying the Jews don't need Christ. Christ wasn't their Messiah. didn't come for them. He literally was. <laughs> he literally came for the lost sheep of Israel first. He came for the Jews first. And then the message was to go to, to the Gentiles, to the rest of the world. <clears throat> so, you know, if there's a, if, if there's a fire, you know, who are you going to save first, but your natural born children. And then after your, your children have been saved or at least attempted, then you'll grab another kid or so forth. It's just, it's just instinct. Maybe it's a, a bad metaphor, but, um, but nonetheless, um, so how can they, but I share that not to talk about what they think about Christ. Um, and please, any, any, um, questions, feel free. Any topics of discussion, feel free. The reason why I share that was to give a little insight on uh, the rabbis telling you what the Talmud is. So it's, you know, I've got a couple of places uh, queued up that I, I don't think I need to, to pull up unless, you know, unless I have to, but oddly enough, it only came into existence compiled existence like a book compiled and or written 
um, between the third and fourth century from the best I can tell. Now, as they shared, the tradition or the theory is that the 70 elders that assisted Moses, that they were, you know, writing and they were uh, carrying, passing down an oral tradition, which the problem with that is uh, we don't have scripture to support that. I don't, I don't think we do. Um, so I would be very, very cautious, especially if this is um, contrary to scripture. If there's a different teaching than scripture, that's where it's a big problem. But I just want to point out in all fairness that oral tradition itself isn't, isn't strange or peculiar. It seems, it seems like a, a weird thing that, you know, from back in Moses' time, and I'm just going to roughly pin like 1500 BC, um, if I'm not mistaken, 14 something, 1500 BC. So 1500 years before Christ and add another three, 400 on before it was compiled. So it was like 1800 years, they've been passing down this oral tradition. So yeah, it doesn't. Anyone uh, could say, so the comment says, anyone who's played telephone knows this doesn't end well. It doesn't. <clears throat> and that's where it gets kind of dicey, you know, for Christians, because, you know, what I was just explaining was, you know, call it 1800 years, roughly, from the time they began keeping this oral tradition and passing it down. And then they finally started writing it and compiling it. That seems like a long time. And it seems like, man, that's just ripe for error for, you know, the telephone, you know, game messing up. But in actuality, um, I think I have a book called the uh, Theology of the Old Testament. Or, or something, but I can't remember the title, but it was very interesting. But it, it's, I mean, it points out something that we don't realize. Again, Moses, <clears throat> excuse me, being best we can tell, the author of the books of Moses um, and the, the, the five books, you know, first five books in the Bible, um, the Torah. Uh, that, again, that was like 1500, right? BC. So what about Abraham? What about Enoch? What about, I mean, God forbid Adam, but um, all these men, you know, Enoch, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so forth, Joseph, there was no written text. It was oral tradition. Awkward. <laughs> Where's the soundboard? You know, crickets or something. So I don't, I don't think we realize how dicey it can feel at least, I don't know if it is, but how dicey it can feel to realize that all these stories in Genesis were oral tradition handed down. And by the time of Moses, these things had happened, you know, uh, I'm just gonna, gonna guess anywhere from a thousand years, you know, to a couple, of, a couple thousand years, you know, difference, thousand to maybe 3000 years, depending on how far you go back. Um, so I'll put it this way. Um, According to best estimates, Adam was created in 4004 BC. So, you know, that's 3,500 years roughly, give or take. I think my math is right. So, anywhere between, you know, 500 and 3,500 years, this is how long this oral tradition had happened. Um, but again, you know, we had this conversation before uh, one of the last podcasts. Um, I think it was where we discussed um, they're not the belief that God doesn't give us anything in dreams or there's no prophecy or no, um, God doesn't speak anymore. So, um, an important quote that I, I tend to agree with is, um, 
we shared on we shared on that episode and it's it's that you know abraham and the elders that are example they walk with god by spirit you know they followed god you know without a written uh book without a written law without a written book um and arguably in galatians the third chapter paul explains that it wasn't until transgression it wasn't until moses time where you know it was evident that you know they could not walk upright that they could not do right they didn't you know so anyway that god gave them law as an example to follow as you know a criteria you know this is right this is wrong this is what you do this is what you don't do and here's punishment since you don't know how to act right since you don't know, don't know how to do right but you didn't see that with the early elders you didn't see that with the, the the patriarchs the fathers of the faith they walk with god you know um enoch walked with him it was not you know um like taken you know whatever so <clears throat> so where was the written law where was the bible where's scripture you know back then um and I don't want to get into the whole closed canon thing. You kind of bump into the closed canon conversation, but nonetheless. So I just want to point that out to be fair. Oral tradition, you know, if you point out the distance from Moses when they started gathering all this to the time it was finally compiled, it's like, eh, how trustworthy is, is this? Now, let's say it's 100% trustworthy. Who cares? Like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not knocking, you know, any of these elders being inspired by God. I don't mean to do that. But whoever said that they were supposed to give us instruction, whoever said that they were supposed to collect these writings to give us instruction. And um, I don't know, like, why, why would that be a priority? And if it was inspired and if it was so great, and if it was considered great oral or not, if they were already compiling books, like they had, had writing and parchment and they weren't right. It wasn't stone, you know, where they had to etch stuff in stone anymore. <clears throat> they had skins and then later, you know, parchments and whatnot that, that they could write this stuff down, you know, but it took 1800 years. And why wouldn't they have written it down and, and, you know, collectively, you know, the Jews in, I'm trying to pick Daniel's time or the Maccabean era or anything like that had said, Hey, let's, let's include this in the canon, you know, in Nehemiah's time, I think it was the, the canon was made, um, uh, the rebuilding of the, the temple, uh, around that, around that time. So, um, nonetheless, Miss Newton, big family, big noise, what's going on? Um, I need to give, I need to give prizes for, for some of you guys. Cause you know, some of you guys are like, the biggest supporters, you know, faithful. And uh, you're always uh, sharing on YouTube and stuff, sharing and, and shouting out and stuff like that. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> but nonetheless, so, you know, you got to understand that oral tradition as sketchy as it seems, not that bad. I just want to be fair, but to move on, you know, um, who cares what these elders have been saying? Um, like, why would that have significance or why would it have relevance? And then, like we talked about, we're talking about inspiration, we're talking about revelation and prophecy and, and dreams and visions. That spirit that gives it to you should not be saying or doing anything contrary to, this, to what the spirit that inspired the book is. If it's the same spirit, why would your dream or why would your prophecy be contrary to scripture? So there are some things that are evidently contrary to scripture. The Jews teach things that are contrary to the Torah. If it's the same spirit, your, your writings, your teaching, your in, whatever prophecy should not be contrary to scripture. The problem is it is. Um, and we'll see that, you know, 
it wasn't Jesus's time. It was viewed that way that they had traditions, oral or what have you. They had traditions that they they prioritized greater than than Moses. We we. It's funny that I think the Christian or the average person believes that the Jews are the people of Abraham, the people of Moses, following Moses, and they're not. They've made themselves themselves altogether a different religion, and they admit this. 76 AD, the, the, the rabbis on, on that video I just showed, 76 AD, um, I believe it was, um, about nine years after their temple was destroyed, they had what was called the Council of Yahweh, which they, um, they declare or they decide or agree that uh, God is done with the priestly sacrifices, God is done with the temple service with the priests and everything, that he's now started a rabbinic age, just teaching just teaching. And then now we see what's being taught is not Torah. What's being taught, there's different camps, obviously, there's different um, sects, you know, of Judaism. But by and large, what is taught is the Talmud. And many of these rabbis will tell you that they don't view the Torah as, as history, as fact, as, you know, they're just like nighttime bedtime stories, like the flood and stuff, bedtime stories that, that you tell your kids, you know, to scare them, you know, to make them behave, you know, but they don't believe them, you know, they don't believe in, in Moses. But I think it's funny, like in, in the apostles day, when the Gentiles were free, right, they were practicing free, they were liberated in Christ, and they were just believing in Christ. I'm sure they've been baptized and all that, received the spirit. But then the Jews in the 15th chapter came and said, unless you're circumcised with the circumcision of Moses, you cannot be saved. Wait a minute. They didn't really follow Moses. They followed their own traditions. They followed the, the religion of the Pharisees and, and Sadducees. You know, so it's just ironic. It's like now you now you guys, when someone else is doing something, you're like, hey, hey, you got to do what Moses said, but you don't do what Moses said. So anyway, um, for anyone that missed the, you can obviously uh, rewind, but the videos on our YouTube channel, Christians should not stand with Israel. And this is like really what the Jewish religion is about. And it's not, I do believe they will be saved, but I also believe what the Bible says, according to the gospel or because of the gospel, they are enemies of the Christian. They are our enemies concerning the faith. Now they're beloved of God. They're chosen of God. And I believe they'll be saved by God, but that's two different things. Um, and I'm speaking again as a Christian, not as the nation of the United States or anything like that. Um, I wanted to get Matthew 15. Quick side note, Paul gave me a hard time because I don't talk about the online store. So I wanted to give him a shout out because he, he went on here and got a hood, hood, couple hoodies or something. And also to my mom, I just saw before I went live, my mom ordered a hoodie. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but anyway, there's some digital content in here that there'll probably be more like some charts and some dif different teachings and things that we try to put together graphically. Um, anyway, so I, I don't mention it. It's just there. And yeah, but I want to point out Matthew 15, you know, this is, you know, obviously in Jesus's time, it says they came to Jesus. Then came Jesus, scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem saying, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Notice they didn't say, why do they transgress the law of Moses? Why do they transgress? Why do they break our traditions? They do not wash hands when they eat their bread. But he answered and said unto them, why do ye also transgress the commandments of God by your tradition? For God has commanded, saying, Honor thy father and my, my mother, and he that curses father and mother, let him die the death. 
But you say, whoever shall say to his father and mother, it is a gift, but whatsoever thou mightest be, be profited by, let me write a different one, because I know no one has a clue what the heck any of that means. Um, so, okay, why do your disciples disobey age-old traditions? They ignore our traditions and ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. That's very important. Ceremonial hand-washing before they eat, our tradition. Um, and then he says, why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, honor your mother and father. Anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father and mother must be put to get death. I am very grateful for forgiveness because uh, I myself have transgressed this commandment many a time. Uh, my mother, hoodie wearing and all, will bear witness to this uh, and father. But, but you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I cannot help you. For I have vowed a gift to God what I would have given to you. So you're teaching people, the, Lord, the, the, the Jews at that time, their tradition was <clears throat> that you could tell your mother or father, I can't help you, sorry, starve, because I have a gift I want to give to God. Why do you think they said that? They were God, right? They were God. They were the ones collecting the offerings, just like churches now. They tell you to Forget everything else, forget your mortgage, forget your breakfast money, forget whatever, and give it in this offering plate because they want that money, you know, and, and don't, don't confuse what I'm saying. I'm not saying they're taking it home and spending it necessarily, but the church gets it, therefore it prospers. In this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents, and so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commandments of God. <clears throat> and I just wanted to point out the ritual washing in Judaism. The only thing, uh, the Torah mentions some, the Hebrew Bible, and it's not the washing of hands before you eat. That came from the Halakha, which is part of the uh, oral uh, Torah, um, and subsequent Talmudic and rabbinic law, the customs and traditions compiled in many books. So, yes, anyway, let me get to some comments. Yeah, Ebony, if you go back, I think you missed me playing this, this video, but if you go back and watch that, you'll learn a bunch about the Jewish religion. Um, and it is why we preach repentance to them today. Um, yeah, yeah, Matt, no, no one knows I have merch. I don't talk about it. I honestly, um, someone asked me where they could make a donation. They're on the website. They're like, I don't see a donation button. Is that and the other. I don't want, I don't want to be responsible for, for taking money from people. I mean, unless I'm offering a service and I thought, well, let me just at least put some things on here. Somebody wants to, to rep, you know, um, or support or whatever. They can at least buy a product, which to be honest, I'm not making any money off this stuff. I got it priced so low just so if you want it, it's cheap. I'm not, I guarantee you, I'm not making two bucks on a hoodie. So <laughs> Just put that out there. Um, yeah, let me uh, let me get some comments. Do we have any questions? This was a live Q and A, and I'm just answering. Uh, I'm trying to. I'm getting there. I promise. I'm getting there. Um, but a question about the Talmud. And we had a Sam. Whatever happened to Sam? Sam, where are you? Come back, Sam. He joined the Zoom chat. If you want to join the Zoom chat, I would love to have someone else here. I've already mentioned T. Sheree, um, could not. Could not be here, and I just didn't want to miss another week. So a little bit of fellowship running our mouth. Hopefully someone else other than me. All right, so comment. 
I've heard one person teach that Moses asked to see God's glory and was hid in the cave when God showed Moses his hinder parts. They interpreted this as Moses seeing all of God's deeds beforehand. Which is where you say, I'm, I'm just digesting, uh, which is where he learned of Adam and Abraham, et cetera. Although I also know that scholars think Genesis had four authors. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't like getting into all that. That's why I say it's kind of dicey. Before we start criticizing the Talmud based on things that it shares with our Old Testament, you know, Torah or whatever, um, there's a commonality. So it gets a little dicey for us too. Um, but I can't remember all of them. They had a they had initials um, like the Elohimus, the E's, the Elohimus, um, something about the Je Jehovah's, the one of them's P. Um, but they had a, they had abbreviations for basically when they when they examine uh, the Old Testament, they saw different. I'm gonna I'm just gonna paraphrase from my amateur hour you know opinion or understanding or things that i've read along the way but <clears throat> when looking at the text um you see similarities you see uh whether the writing style or the words used and so they they basically saw four patterns if i'm not i think what's Matt, matt's referring to they saw four patterns four possible different authors or at least four different styles of writing where what we have was compiled from it may have started out and then, you know, uh, it may have started out from one source and then was written by four different sources and then came back and being compiled into one thing again. I'm not sure what the theories are, but um, I have seen that. The book I mentioned, the uh, a Theological Introduction to the Old Testament. Um, and I'll be honest, this shook my faith because I was just told some, some I just want to say like, like, lies you know about the bible you know i don't i don't know what else to say to be nice but you know my view we always joke it's like it's it's spoken of and treated like if it was the dove that floated down with jesus when he was baptized like it just drifted down to heaven and it's this perfect book and it's not um it's it's about the most perfect book in literary history i think um and the textual criticism of it were they anyway the imperfections are almost negligible compared to other you know books of antiquity you know plato's republic or or anything of antiquity that we've had and the copies that we have and the variations with the different copies like it's it's madness with other books um from what i've seen but the bible's very 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 close very very close but nonetheless it has a dicey road to get to us you know um but as far as the whole moses thing i can't get with things that the book doesn't say and i so i don't get into people's interpretation um yeah i'll just leave it at that you know um yeah yeah one is p one is j it's it's four of them one is e it's like elohimus um god handed it's man anyway and i don't say it to poke fun at the bible you know i don't I don't, yeah, I don't want to do that. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just poking fun at, at our ridiculous view. Um, I don't know how people say this stuff they say. I'm just frustrated, like in, inerrant, you know, inerrant. Do you, do you, 
you no know words, sir. I don't know why you say this stuff. Um, what Moses thing, uh, Ebony up in the comments, um, uh, the comment was made. I've heard one person teach that when Moses asked to see God's glory and he showed him his hinder parts, um, they interpreted this as Moses saying all of God's deeds beforehand. So, which is where he learned of Adam and Abraham, et cetera, that it wasn't oral tradition that gave it to him, that he didn't know these stories because it was passed down from generation to generation. <clears throat> and then he recorded them. It was, or, or that God made his knowledge more clear. I don't know. Um, I, either is plausible, but what's probably not plausible is, <laughs> is that seeing his hind parts was seeing everything in history. I don't, I don't see that. I don't, I could be wrong, but I, I don't see this. Grace and peace, Reverend. I hope you have safe travels. So let me, any, any questions, throw them in the chat. I know um, Paul had asked, uh, his question on uh, Facebook was, is Jesus Lord? Depends on who you ask, but in fact, he is. I mean, you're going to get many answers to that question. But uh, as we see the Jews, think he is the bastard son of a Roman soldier and a, and a Jew, Jewish whore um, that learned and practiced witchcraft in Africa. And he was a blasphemer, so he deserved to die, being evident that he died at such a young age that God would, you know. This is what our Jewish comrades, you know, are taught concerning our Lord, our Lord, meaning including them. You know, so he is, in fact, their Lord. Um, and he is, in fact, our Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every uh, tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father, things in heaven, in earth and under the earth. So um, we can all front play games all we want. But in that day, your knee, knee will bow. And I just real quick, I've actually bowed the knee to God. He actually asked me this. And I thought it was like the wildest thing. Like I'm praying and partially, partially worshiping. And I, it's been a long time. So I'm really careful, but I don't like people saying I heard God say, but at that time I either heard God say, or man, I heard it in my mind. I don't know, but bow to me. Will you bow? And I'm like, man, that's crazy. And I'm in church. Like, I don't, I'm not trying to make a spectacle of myself. You know, I'm not. Like, oh, Lord, you know, and everyone look at me, look at me, old devout person that's, you know, castrating himself on the on the altar. And um, man, he says something to me. And um, yeah, I know, I know it's said, said in jest. Um, but, um, but man, my knees went down. And I don't, I, I don't, it, it was no conscious effort of my own to bow. It was no conscious effort of my own to, to worship on, on, on my knees, you know. Um, but they went down and it was like it, man. And I'm glad they did. Um, and he picked me back up and man, there's a whole bunch more to that, that, um, like everyone disappeared. Like I didn't see the church. I didn't hear music. I didn't see a person. All I saw was light. And all I heard was a voice and said some wild stuff to me. So, um, and I'll give you that teaser and leave that for another day, but, um, nonetheless, um, so to move on. If there are any questions, please ask. It's live Q&A, free to discuss whatever. Um, I do have one other question, if no one else has one in the back of my mind, but let me finish the Talmud. 
I keep derailing. So, so Matt, I guess, you know, I, I already kind of chatted with you, you know, on a, on a Instagram or whatever, but the issue with the Talmud, I, I think as far as you, you had mentioned, say they, they, um, they recount some of the same stories that the Torah does, uh, Abraham is, and so forth. Right. But they include a whole bunch of other details and some of them, you had mentioned one in particular, which was in similarity to Daniel being thrown in the furnace, was it? Um, they say that basically that same thing happened to Abraham, slightly different, but nonetheless. Um, so I think that's that might be an example of the telephone game. I don't know. Um, it's kind of it's kind of logical to think that it is like eh, one person heard that was like, man, because look, that happens today. No, no, no shade in this, this regard, but, um, see, I don't like Christians, man. You can't say nothing without people picking on you. Um, I'm just like, I'm, I'm worrying about what I say, but anyway, pastors today take like five or six different, you know, biblical ideas or stories and they mix them all up and they say it was this guy and that guy. And then you're confused looking through the book, trying to find it. And it's like, wait a minute, that wasn't, no, he didn't say that there. He said that over here. And that's an accident. You know, I think I've done the same thing. I think, you know, many of us have. And unless we, you know, backpedal and actually open up the book and, and verify, um, that'll keep us on track. So I think that's where they aired. They probably did what, what I just said. And someone's recounting the story of Abraham. And then he throws in that detail from Daniel, a little bit different. That's why it doesn't match. I don't know. That's all I guess. I think it's a good one. But nonetheless, <laughs> um, so it's, I, I told you, Matt, that um, it's similar to Joshua and Jubilees, who um, Sheree and I believe uh, T are proponents of or fans of or, or what have you. Um, I'm a little less. Uh, I don't think I see anything that's contrary. I just see a whole bunch of things that are in addition to scripture. And that's where I think we have to be careful. And, and uh, if we get into closed canon, what makes a canon, what makes something inspired, and it's, it's, that's difficult for the layman or otherwise. Um, the average person is not a deep theologian that studies history and literature. It's, it's a whole other world. So, um, but it's just best to stick with what we have almost for, full assurance of and confidence in. Um, which is the scriptures that we know. And then anything else, I would say, similar to the Old Testament Apocrypha, but a little bit different. I can't explain why, but um, those, it doesn't hurt to see, you know, Joshua Jubilees and see what may line up or may or doesn't. But if you know, and you just put it on the back burner, you know, God may use that somewhere. God may bring that, you know, um, back to your memory regarding something else. And it may be beneficial. I don't know. I don't think that's the case with the Talmud, even though they both do the same thing with adding all this additional narrative or, or different information than Genesis does. Um, I think I've already made my case for what is so suspicious, skeptical, and untrustworthy about the Talmud, um, where I don't think that about Jubilees and Joshua necessarily. I just think that they're a little bit unsure of them. They probably existed back then. They probably existed in antiquity, but we don't have a copy. We don't know that. Um, and they include some additional details that the Bible doesn't. So nonetheless, um, be careful and 
pray. You know what I mean? Um, don't just take things just because it's written somewhere that claims to be spiritual. Yes, the Talmud teaches Abraham and his brother, Lot's father, were bound and thrown in. Uh, Abraham was saved while his brother wasn't. If I'm not mistaken, the men who threw them in also died similar. Uh, yep. So I meant to I meant to ask my wife and I forgot. Um, but I told told you, Matt, that um she was talking about uh something similar that, that you read in the Talmud was I think it was Abraham who was kind of mocking the the gods, the idols of his father. And uh, she and I told you she was just having a conversation with, with a friend the other day. And I don't know if she got that from Joshua Jubilees, but it may be also found in there. I thought that was ironic. So nonetheless, but any, any, anything else concerning the Talmud? I don't want to beat a dead horse. Um, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, take it. Right, right. Now, now, I don't, I don't understand this view that it may be good intention that makes people say like, don't even look at these books, man. My dad told me local pastor at Methodist church had told him um, that they're not to read uh, the book of revelation. It's, it's like, okay. Now I can tell you it, you know, there's no problem with saying be careful because you can misconstrue, you know, a lot in there if you don't um, understand context or proper interpretation and nonetheless, um, and study, you know, you, you've got to know what you're doing, but, um, but I think there's still stuff in there that even if you don't know, it's not, you tell someone not to read a book in the Bible. It's a pastor. Abraham's dad had 10 idols and Abraham took a hot iron and broke all, all nine. All nine. But he had 10. I'm miss, misreading something. And then placed the iron in the only idol left. Got you. Um, okay. Guess I just keep reading and I'll understand. Um, then his father was mad and asked why Abraham did that. Abraham said the idol did it. <laughs> Bars. <laughs> yeah. Yo. Yeah. I, I man, I wish Ray was on here, man. I wish Ray was on here because I'm pretty sure she she read that too. But I mean, yeah, that's I swear, I swear that's exactly the story she was telling someone else the other day. But again, she didn't read it from the Talmud. So it must be in um uh one of the other two, Joshua Jubilees. But tell me that ain't some stuff. Oh, I thought these idols, you know, were powerful. Thought they could do some stuff. But I tell you, man, this idol got mad, the other one and destroyed them all. And you think it's ridiculous, right? <laughs> did you share this on your Facebook page? Yeah, I did. Um yeah, the, the live stream, you mean, Ebony? Yeah, it's shared. Tara then said the idol couldn't have done it because he made them. So then Abraham said, then why are you serving serving false gods? Right. That, that This wooden statue couldn't have done it. I made that thing. I carved it. Right. Then why serve it? <laughs>